I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. So Liz, file this under lessons learned. I realized our picture in deadline has our names alphabetically, but I'm on the left and you're on the right. Ooh, so we need a new picture with us flipped. Right. Yes. The next time we take a picture, you should be on the left and I should be on the right. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows when we're going to be able to take a picture? <laughs> when will we be in the same room again? That is the question. That's the question. That's fine. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about how to quit a job, preferably without burning bridges. And then I have a parenting bomb, and Liz, you have a festive hit. And this week's Hollywood hack is actually a Minnesota hack for those who live somewhere snowy and icy like I do right now. But first, we have an update. We want to remind everybody the holidays are approaching and it is the perfect time to buy your loved one a Happier in Hollywood rainbow <laughs> silipine travel cup with lid. They're $25, including shipping and including the lid. And these are great cups that keep hot things hot and cold things cold, and they will make you smile. They are just the happiest things ever. They are. They're kind of like the unicorn of cups. You know how unicorns make people smile? <laughs> yes. These cups make people smile. It's true. Or, or the funny cat video of cups. <laughs> you know what I mean. I know what you mean. I agree. Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's how to quit a job without burning bridges. Sarah, this is very personal for you right now. <laughs> yes. Violet's nanny here in Minnesota recently quit. And it's all fine. And I found someone wonderful to replace her. And we're over it. But it was rough and it was handled very, very badly. And she didn't just burn the bridge. She 
firebombed it, which I genuinely don't think was her intention. Right. And after this happened, Sarah, we started talking about how most people really don't know how to quit a job, particularly young people. Yes. When I was about 19, I got a job at a falafel place (laughs) and I went there and I did, I started to work and then... uh, during my break, I was like, I don't want to do this. And I just <laughs> walked out and I never went back. Um, that was probably not the most mature move on my part. Right. I've gotten better at quitting since then, but I think I could still use some tips. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Amy's falafel. I apologize to the manager of Amy's falafel for my actions. And we also want to say this is different than walking out of a job like our friend Nichelle Tramble did. We talked to her in episode 134 about how after just like a morning with the most just brutal, awful boss in the world, she called her mom and her mom said, do you have your purse? And she said, then get to step in. And Nichelle never went back. That is a perfectly justifiable way. But I think the people at Amy's Falafel were perfectly nice to you. Yeah, I know. I, 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 yeah. That wasn't good, Sarah. I don't know if I've ever told my parents about that particular incident. Anyway, we thought this subject was a perfect opportunity to call our friend Michael Melcher. You may remember Michael from episode 64, where we talked to him about Enneagrams. He is one of America's best executive coaches and the host of the fantastic podcast, Career Stewardship. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Welcome. Glad to be back. Oh, I always love being here. We love it too. Yes, we do. We have a pressing question. (laughs) (laughs) Please, I'm at your disposal. Okay. (laughs) So there's, there's nothing wrong with quitting a job. Everyone does it at some point. It's usually the right thing to do when you do it. But why do so many people quit badly? Well, they may not realize they're quitting quitting badly. That's that's one thing to point out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that there are a couple things going on. The first is that people may not be aware that it's possible to have a quitting conversation that is constructive mm. and kind of mutually beneficial. Mm. They might view this as like this inherently painful, awful thing that there's no good way to do it. And so they may run out or, or blow it up. It's kind of like, it's like the episode of uh, Sex and the City when someone broke up with Carrie with a post-it note. Yes. Like you don't need to Burger. do it with a post-it note. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Burger. <laughs> so that's that's one thing is is just not understanding that it is possible to have one of these conversations and it can go well. The second thing is that if somebody is quitting in a way where they're kind of blowing up the bridges behind them or they have kind of a litany of everything that the employer or the other person did that was so bad. To me, that suggests that the quitter has not really been that effective in articulating his or her needs before Mm -hmm. and may have felt that they could not or didn't know how. And so it kind of gets bottled up and bottled up and bottled up and there's like this frustration. And so they feel like there's nothing that they can do. And then they also feel kind of justified in just letting the other side have it. Where, in fact, if they had been better at kind of understanding their needs, articulating them, negotiating them, it may not have even gotten to that point. Well, and sometimes people are just quitting because they have a better opportunity. Like, I think that was the case, Sarah, for your nanny. Yeah, yeah. 
She got a permanent job. It made perfect sense that she would take a permanent job because we're only here temporarily. It was really just an execution issue. <laughs> yeah. So what steps should you take if you want to quit well, Michael? What what should you do? Like, just top to bottom. And, and like, should you use a resignation letter? Should it be done in person? Like, should you give the person a heads up? All these things. Well, first of all, it's always better to do something in person or voice to voice rather than in in writing. Because when you communicate orally, you have total communication, right? Particularly if they can they can see you. You know, you read their emotions, you read their eyes, you read their voice and and so forth. And when things are in writing or not communicated at all, it's kind of much harder to get that message. So the more you can do it that way, the better. The second thing is I almost always would start with the relationship. You know, I start up by saying, uh, we've worked together a while. This has been a really important job for me. I've really enjoyed working with you. You're an important person to me. Mm. And it's in the spirit of that relationship that I want to share some things with you, mm. right? That I'm going to be moving on or I found this other opportunity or what have you. But it's it's starting out with the relationship as opposed to just being this kind of transaction, so that, that's another thing. And should you, let's say you do have all of these complaints that like you mentioned, say things have been rocky and not good. Should you tell the person when you quit all of the things that they've done wrong in the hopes that they might change? Or is that just never a good idea because then they're going to have bad feelings about you? Yeah, I don't think you should kind of leave with a statement or letter about all the ways this person is flawed or everything they've done wrong, and hopefully they'll learn from it again. But keep in mind that a lot of places do conduct exit interviews, mm. right? They are interested in collecting information. And by and large, people don't give a lot of information in exit interviews, but sometimes they do. So you may actually be able to help the organization, help them get better if you're willing to provide this real data, and I think you can say it in a way that's positive or, or you can say it in a way that is not super negative, put it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, here was my experience. Here's what I hoped would have happened. This didn't happen. Here's some ideas how you might improve it in the future if you're interested in working on that. And if you have other questions, I'd be happy to have them. And again, it's sort of like a relationship type things. Like there are a lot of things about this organization I really liked. You know, I didn't have the experience that I really wanted to do. So I don't think it's a long-term match, but, but I do believe that, you know, the bona fides are good and you can, you know, continue growing in this way if you want to. It's interesting because as you're speaking, you're very calm and collected. Mm. <laughs> and I think one of the issues that people have with quitting is that it provokes a tremendous amount of anxiety. And, and that's part of why things don't always go as well as they could, how can people who have this anxiety as they approach quitting a job, how can they how can they manage that anxiety to just keep things kind of neutral and professional, just like you were doing? <laughs> um, well, thank you. You know, there are a couple things. I one is simply by imagining how it's going to go and predicting how you're going to feel. Mm. You know, I remember reading this research about people that had like knee surgery. Right, which apparently is very painful. And it's really important after your knee surgery to start using your knee again. And so they studied people who who had this. And there was one group that just sucked it up, and the others that the other group deliberately predicted how they would feel. And so like this old man in England would say, Well, I'm 
going out to the mailbox and I predict that halfway there, I'm going to feel a lot of pain. So what I'll do is I'll stop and I'll count to 10. I'll let myself rest and then I'll keep going. And so the ones that predicted that anticipated it and made a plan were more successful than the ones who just kind of went to see how far they would go. So like Mm. you might anticipate how you're going to feel, how your heart's going to be, how you'll breathe, and you can anticipate what you might do to calm yourself down. So I think that's one thing. But But the second thing I would say is that other people don't have to like you and other people are allowed to have their feelings, Mm. right? They're allowed to have their reactions. So you might decide to quit and they may actually be upset. They may be upset that they're losing a valued employee. They might feel judged. They might have to now do your job while they're looking for somebody else. They're allowed to feel that way. They're allowed to have those feelings, but you don't have to manage those feelings, right? You can do what's right for you and kind of be very professional, and they're allowed to then have their feelings and like don't react to how they're reacting. So I think that's like another thing you can you can do. That's key, and that's another thing where you can anticipate how they'll react and tell yourself, okay, I know they might react this way, and I'm just gonna stay calm. Yeah, and and they're allowed to have their feelings, yeah. and I'm allowed to have my feelings. You know, this is one of the situations where I'm gonna do what's right, and they'll probably do what's right for them, and we'll try to just be professional and move forward toward the best as opposed to just being terrified and all kind of bollocks up and feeling like we can't really say anything. And how much should people think about timing? Because one of the really bad things with, with the nanny situation was her timing was terrible. In the moment, it was terrible because I was literally on a work call with Liz on a deadline and in front of Violet, she did it. And in the big picture, it was terrible because we had like a huge work thing coming up. So if you're quitting a job, if you don't want to burn a bridge, how do you like gauge what the right moment to do that is? Well, there are two things you're asking there. One is how do you, when do you have that that conversation? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right that that people have different trigger points. And so if I say, hey, Sarah, there's something important I want to talk to you about today. I'd really like to be today. When would be the best time for you? Okay, you're already going to know that some right. shit is going down, right? Yes. But still, you have the ability to say, okay, I can't process this right now, but I do have a break at 4.15. How about that? And that's different from making you do it you know, while you're recording a podcast, yeah. let's say. So that's like a little <laughs> gift you can do for them. I should lock the door. <laughs> yeah, lock the door. The second thing I would say in terms of timing is, again, it's not really your job to fully anticipate the future workload of some other person. But what you can do is kind of try to collaborate with them on how you do it. And so I'd call this two things. What is your transition strategy and what is your communications strategy? Mm. So the transition strategy is how does all the work that you're handling get offloaded to somebody else? Right. So you might have a two week notice, you might have three months, you might have a day or two, but it's really an acknowledgement. Okay. I understand there's a lot of work. Let's talk about how we can make this transition the best. And the second thing in companies say is what should be our communications about this? How should, what should we tell other people? Because your employer may have an interest in, in how this kind of goes down. Like typically nobody wants to say the company was shitty or the employee was shitty. Right? right, both have an interest in saying, "Okay, we're going in different directions, and this is what we decided, and here's our plan, and we're all, you know, happy about it." And by the way, this strategy works even if you're being fired, 
Mm. right? It's it's one of the ways that you can actually negotiate for better severance is to say, all right, I understand this is happening. Now let's talk about a transition strategy and a communication strategy. And, you know, I'd like to communicate that I'm going to pursue these other interests. And, you know, you need somebody with XYZ qualifications. In terms of transition, I really think it'll take about 12 weeks for my department to wrap things up and move to the next person. And, oh, okay, we were thinking in one month, but maybe three months is better, right? Mm-hmm. But it kind of gets you more into this problem-solving mode rather than just freak-out mode. That's such great advice because, I mean, in Hollywood, people are fired all the time, of course, so it's great to think about transitioning out when you're fired as well as when you quit. Now, do you have any tips for people, like, on their last day? How can people kind of leave everyone with positive feelings on their way out the door? Like, do you write a note to your boss? Do you... I was going to say leave donuts, but as you know, that's not something Liz and I No, don't be the evil donut bringer. <laughs> but maybe so if the last, you know, she seemed so nice, but then she left yeah. those 24 donuts. Yeah, and- exactly. Right in front of their office yeah. door, just a big box of donuts. <laughs> I mean, you know, first of all, leave your future contact info. People won't necessarily have it. Second, I think it is great to go and just say a goodbye You know, it's like at parties, I actually hate saying goodbye, Mm -hmm. but I know that you're supposed to. Yeah. You know, it's a sort of etiquette you just go through. Thank you. It's been nice. I hope we work together again. And I think the third thing is just generally have a positive demeanor. It could be positive specific. It could be positive but vague. But basically people like to join you in a kind of positive mood more than a negative mood. Mm. And so to the extent you can convey that, the better. And if you can't, you can simply say, I really would like to have a great conversation with you. Today's probably not the best day for me, but maybe we can reconnect in a few weeks when mm. I when I resurface. And that way you're kind of just signaling how people can re-engage with you in, in that way. That's great. I guess the final thing I would say on that is that it if you quit or get fired, it's easy to assume that everybody is like judging you and kind of taking sides and all that. I don't think that's really true. I think people, okay, you have different things going on and you're going through this experience. I'm not quite sure what's going on with this, but you know, I kind of know you as a complete person. So I don't think that everybody will necessarily regard this as the best thing that's ever happened or some awful injustice. I think if you kind of share the narrative you want with them, they'll probably agree with it. That is amazing yeah. advice. And the being positive, because it's easy when you quit to sort of be like, well, I'm out of here and no more dealing with X, Y, and Z. And it's it's great to sort of keep that for your friends at home and to just share the positive with the people at work. Yeah, it's interesting, Michael, when I was emailing you to say, hey, can you come on to talk about this? And you said one of the things that people don't really think about is that in the future they may really value those relationships. It doesn't feel like it right now, but having good relationships over time is so important. So, so important. And you never know when you'll run into people again, where they might end up, what kind of level of influence they might be. And basically, if you're just a person with good manners, (laughs) if you're kind of classy, people will, will like that. And if you are kind of weird and deeply angry and, you know, snarky, people will probably remember that too. One other thing I want to add to this, as you get more experienced, I think it becomes really clear that a lot of jobs are just about 
fit. Like it could be skill fit, it could be culture fit. And you could have amazingly qualified people that are just not really going to make it or make it big in a particular area. And it it doesn't actually say anything about, are they smart? Are they hardworking? Are they good people? It's just, no, that's not really a fit. And so it's natural that you see people leaving mm. for any reason, yeah. right? Like I, it would never occur to me to judge somebody who stopped working at like a hedge fund or in Hollywood or as an emergency room doctor or whatever, I would just assume, okay, I guess they, you know, went on to something better or liked something better or didn't like that. And that's just the nature of the world. People aren't sitting around judging you, right? They're just be a, as I said in a previous episode, be a person with good Midwestern values. That's what I said when you came on my show. Yeah. Be a good Midwestern person and you'll probably do well. That's our advice for everything. (laughs) It truly is. Michael, thank you so much. This will help so many people not burn bridges and quit because everyone will have to quit at some point a job. Quit with grace and good feelings. Grace and good feelings. Bring your Midwestern spirit into Mm -hmm. the quitting process. Everybody will quit, and probably most of us will get fired at mm-hmm. some point. I've been fired. Uh, we uh, have we been fired. Whatever. Big, big yeah. fucking deal. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. It's <laughs> exactly. all about how you, how you go out. Yeah. Go out yeah. with grace. Be classy. Next up, Sarah's got a bedtime bomb, and I have a holiday hit. But first, this break. Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. Okay, Liz, it's time for our Hits and Bombs segment because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. So, Liz, why don't you start with your hit? Okay, Sarah, this is a hit I never thought I would give. But I am going to give a hit to all the people who have already started decorating for the holidays, (laughs) okay? Normally, Mm. I am someone who thinks you shouldn't, I mean, you can put out a gourd for Thanksgiving, but that you shouldn't pull out the trees and the lights and the Santas and the giant reindeer until after Thanksgiving. Just one gourd. Everyone can have one gourd. You can have a gourd, you can have leaves, you can have a nice runner on your table, but you should not have a Santa out until after Thanksgiving. This year, that's out the window. This year, <laughs> I I am loving everybody who already have all their lights up, the music playing, because <laughs> we all just need some holiday cheer in 2020. It's so true. It's funny because 
I, you know, I'm at my mom's house in northern Minnesota, and I found this little fake Christmas tree that has lights on it and little brass ornaments. And, I mean, well before Thanksgiving, it was out on our front porch in a pot with the lights plugged in. I just was like, I need this. And I'm, like, gathering Christmas decorations, and as soon as I've got them, I'm putting them up. Yeah, and I think it's a combination of people wanting joy and that mm-hmm. feeling of joy, but also Christmas decorations, Hanukkah decorations, any kind of holiday decorations also portend the end of the year. And I think everybody wants to get to January 1st as quickly as possible. And so it's sort of a dual reason to bring on the holidays as quickly as possible. <laughs> Yes. And of course, you know, it's not like 2021 will arrive and everything will magically be okay, sadly. But I I agree. I think that it's like, I just, when I see those things, it does transport me forward in time in a way that's very comforting. Like, maybe we can just jump over yes. the next couple of months. Yes, I will um, point out, Sarah, everyone was equally excited for 2020, and we know how that turned out, but you <laughs> right. know, we'll, we'll ignore that for now. Okay, Sarah, so our hit is for people decorating for the holidays early. What is your bomb? I have a parenting bomb. I have been letting Violet sleep with me, and not just like, <laughs> you know, for the last few days, for weeks for weeks. And you don't usually do this because you don't sleep well when Violet is in bed with you. No. Although here it's a, it's much easier because I have a king-size bed, so there's more mm. room. And she's calming down. You know, she'll sleep in the same place all night. And so it's not that. It's just I've been so tired because we're working so hard. And, like, it's just easier Instead of doing this whole like long bedtime routine and putting her to bed in her room to just be like, okay, let's just all go to bed now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm completely missing any kind of independent grown up activities that I like to do. Like you're you watch the whole Nexium documentary, both. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, I'm dying to see those, but when am I gonna watch them? So right. all of the sort of media consumption that I enjoy just isn't happening. And part of it is it's like everyone drills into you get a bedtime routine, get a bedtime routine, get a bedtime routine. Well, I ha- we have a bedtime routine. I had like the best bedtime routine, but now I can't get out of it. The only way to get out of her extensive bedtime routine uh-huh. is to just be like, screw it, and just like have her sleep yeah. with me and go to bed. Yeah, that is the disadvantage of the like, first we do this, then we read a book, then we sing a song, then we say our prayers, then we... <laughs> Cuddle for five minutes. Yes. I have no advice for you. All I can tell you is the Nexium documentary is really good and you should watch it. So I should figure out how to get out of this bad pattern. Figure (laughs) this thing out, Sarah. Okay. Well, if anyone has any suggestions on how to get out of a bedtime Mm. routine who has like an eight, nine ish year old or who managed to get out of their bedtime routine earlier, because I think we're behind, please send me an email with advice because I really don't want to be sleeping with her every night, although it is very sweet, especially around the holidays. Like, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. 
Next up, this week's Hollywood slash Minnesota hack will keep you from landing on your ass in the icy Target parking lot. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack. It's a new discovery for me this year. L.A. people, you can ignore this. This is for (laughs) all the non-L.A. listeners out there. True. Okay, Winter Grips Ice Cleats. I ordered them from this website called Cozy Winters. There are all different kinds. You can get them on Amazon. You can get them all over. But there are these things that you just slip onto the boots you already have. You slip them over the toe and over the heel. And on the bottom, they have these little cleats. So like I have to walk a quarter mile to get the mail every day. Mm-hmm. And the, there's a hill and it's icy. I put these on my boots, just zip up to the mailbox. I zip back from the mailbox and I come home and I don't have a broken leg. So these things, our neighbor told me about them. They're awesome. If you live somewhere with snow, there are places in California with snow like Big Bear or, you know, all the way to Maine. You absolutely should have these things. They're not expensive. They will save your butt. Literally. Winter grips ice cleats. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to Michael Melcher for joining us today. Also, thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sencola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sencola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole 30s, Melissa Urban. And check out the newest Onward Project podcast, Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. You know what I was thinking about the other day, Liz? What? I completely miss celebrity sightings. Like, we don't have celebrity sightings anymore. Oh, my God. Yes. We used to have that segment, like, almost yeah. every week we would have yeah. a celebrity sighting. I haven't seen a celebrity <laughs> in, like, eight months. Uh-uh. At least. I mean, obviously, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I need to go celebrity hunting. Well, and even if you did, everybody's wearing, I hopefully, everybody's wearing masks. You wouldn't even know. That's true. I probably have seen celebrities like at Fryman or, you know, somewhere on Ventura Boulevard, and I didn't even realize it. Good time to be a celebrity and have your anonymity. For sure. From the Onward Project.